keep peace. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of Wag the Dog FM, your weekly podcast about public relations, communications, social media and anything in between. My name is Philip Burmans, I'm your host and um, just to show you how technology has uh, changed enormously. My very first podcast, I had to do that with a good friend of mine, Sam who knew everything about podcasting and he had these two big cases and we had, you know, microphone set up and a mixing table and all these things. And what you're hearing now is in fact simply recorded in a hotel room in Stockholm where I am for business and uh, my iPhone and the microphone. And I just checked the, the results and it sounds great. So you see, you know, portable stuff. I can do now interviews on the road, uh, very mobile now. So, um, that's technology for you. So this week, uh, I announced that last week we were uh, going to talk with uh, a good friend of mine, someone I've known for uh, for a couple of years now, Simon McDermott. And um, Simon and I will be chatting about the arrival of Politico, um, a new publication in the Brussels bubble here, uh, focusing on everything that happens around EU institutions and uh, politics and European news. And uh, in fact, we're going to focus on the social media footprint of their uh, journalists. They arrived with, I think, around 32 journalists. And of course, these people use different social media. And Simon, who's been specializing in online monitoring, online analysis uh, for years now, um, has, of course, really nifty tools at his disposal. And uh, he's been checking the arrival of Politico and how the journalists are using uh, social media to get their footprint there, to reach out, to influence the political and non-political debate in uh, in Brussels. So this is a focus on Brussels, but it is relevant for the rest of Europe, of course. And uh, it will be, again, uh, about social media, uh, the role it plays, and how reporters, traditional reporters here, use is to increase their footprint and the influence they have in the scene here in Brussels. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, have fun with this one. And then I'll hear you in about um, 32, 35 minutes. Here we go. So hi, Simon. Welcome to uh, Wag the Dog FM. Hey, Philippe, how are you? Good, fine, fine. Simon, I um, we're doing this because I saw your uh, LinkedIn posts on an analysis that you've done from the reporters from Politico's online presence. And I thought it was very interesting because Politico, of course, is a new given here in the Brussels bubble. And a lot of people I know and listening to this podcast are uh, sometimes getting nervous, sometimes are interested and see it as an opportunity as well. But uh, let's talk about the social media footprint of their reporters. Yeah, um I, I've been very excited by, by their arrival, and I know I know a lot of people in in this Brussels bubble, if you like, who've, who got extremely excited by uh, by the launch parties and and, and uh, what they could possibly do for for journalism in, in Brussels. And I, I feel that there were there was a sense, perhaps, that uh, the Brussels media landscape needed a bit of extra energy, and maybe Politico could come in and and uh, kind of push things around a bit. But of course, it has an implication for existing publications uh i suppose in particular the european voice which got uh, sort of consumed by uh politico's holding company mm-hmm. um but from what i've seen um there has been you know qu- quite a lot of of online conversations uh, regarding their uh, first off the, the announcement that they'd come and then the the actual launch and now of course some of the stories are getting 
significant uh, online traction. But as I would always say, Philippe, what I'm looking at is um, the level of conversations in Twitter, uh, in Facebook, say, or blogs and forums. It, it, it doesn't necessarily completely define uh, their success or failure in Brussels. It's just one interesting measure. No, and I think it it is one important measure because what I've seen for the last two months from Politico and their reporters and how they position themselves, I mean, they are web savvy. They know how to create a buzz. So it is the, the, the online footprint and the online buzz they make is an important given when you look at the organization as such. Absolutely. Um, so you can see, uh, for example, Ryan Heath had always got, um, he's the guy obviously who, who, who writes the, the daily playbook or at least coordinates that. Uh, and he's one of their, their senior uh, correspondents. And that's a newsletter, right? That is uh, for people who don't know, that's the the newsletter they're sending out and the daily updates that they do, right? Exactly. Very early in the, every morning, uh, they'll the write a list of perhaps 20, 25 to 25 um uh, interesting news pieces or, or stories that are ongoing in, in, in the EU. So, so it's a, it's a pretty important publication for a lot of people. I know a lot of people are going through it, uh, quite closely, yeah. but so some of the correspondents I've noticed had quite a strong, uh, say Twitter following already like, like Ryan, but others are coming from a relatively small base. And I can see that, uh, some of them are actually growing in in uh, in user, uh, say Twitter followers, very, very quickly. Um, but but sometimes the numbers are quite small. So so for example, uh, some journalists have still less than five hundred followers in, on Twitter, whereas others are well over ten thousand. You know, so they're they're not they're not say uh, wildly followed people to be to be totally honest. But the the one that I've seen. Uh, grow grow the fastest uh, is Zoya Sheftalovich. Mm-hmm. She's had about a twenty percent uplift in in followers just in the last few weeks. So uh, she, she's she her stories are, are at least getting some traction on on social media. And c- could you see that that has to do with because I can imagine that some of those reporters, I mean, they've been in the business for for a certain time, and I would I would think that a good reporter has a Twitter following or is at least using Twitter. Uh, for his job day in day out but the new ones let's say do you see that there is a difference in the fact that they are just recent on twitter or is it maybe the topics they cover or they're too specialized to find an an audience which to me must seem very strange because i do think there's an audience for every single specialization online but is there any reason that you can see from your uh, your analysis your monitoring so well before Politico came on the scene, uh, I was doing some monitoring for other journalists uh, from very well-established uh, publications like like the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, or Financial Times, and it's clear that the uh, some of them were much better at using. Uh, Twitter and, and often the, the simple guideline was uh, was how how frequently they were actually updating their their Twitter handle and, and how frequently they were engaging in conversations. So uh, you know a lot of sort of very well respected journalists in Brussels would still have that you know less than ten thousand Twitter followers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now. It's important, you know, first to, to highlight that th- th- those those guys and girls are, are already writing for a very well established uh, magazine or newspaper, so so they already have an audience. But when I would talk to those journalists individually, 
it was very clear to me that they felt that their Twitter presence was very important in, in their future hiring prospects or their future negotiation prospects. Because if, uh, if they're seen to have a relatively small following compared to, say, another journalist, that actually reflects badly on them. You know, yeah. they, they, they don't command an audience in and of themselves. So, so for the journalists themselves, you really have to trust me on this. They, they, uh, they, they care about this a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and they want to see how it's growing and they want to know. So why does Peter Spiegel have so many, uh, followers? He, he's the financial times, uh, correspondent. Uh, so w- why is he, uh, so widely followed? And if you look at, look at him, much of the answers there are, he, he's actually very engaged on Twitter, yeah. like very much involved. So, 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 so to kind of to lead back into, to Politico, some of the, I suppose, the, the, the younger journalists that they've hired have a relatively small uh, Twitter following, but are starting to, to, to get, to start grow, to grow there over the last few weeks. But we're still very early days, you know? Um, yeah. And, and then I can imagine that some, some uh, journalists um, like, like Ryan Heath, I mean, I think his handle is uh, at Politico Ryan. Uh, well, you know, as a former spokesperson for Nelly Cruz and all these things, you tend to already be into the game, right? Yeah, I, 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 I know Ryan from, you know, from old now over the last couple of years. And uh, he's, um, you know, he, he was obviously very influential in, in, in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's been very active on, on Twitter, uh, even well before the, the Politico days. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially around things like, you know, the, the roaming charges and, and, you know, entrepreneurship in, in, uh, in Europe and the introduction of, of say Uber, for example, you know, very, very much involved in that and using social media, you know, quite intelligently, I, I felt, um, to, to push that message out. But if you, if you look at that, that's, that's carried over into Politico. Um, just looking at the statistics right now in front of me, yeah, he's, tweeted uh something like 700 times in the last few weeks uh, and retweeted around 400 times uh since april 25th so he's very very active uh and, and that that number is you know two times the the next uh a journalist on yeah. ago so yeah. so he's he's in there and and, and that's that's driving that's driving impressions as well. You know, you know, impressions from a social media perspective means the potential for people to have seen your tweets. It doesn't actually mean the amount of people who will see it, but say, uh, if, if I look at Twitter's analytics, uh, about one tenth of your following might see your tweets. Mm. Uh, so if he has impressions of say five, six million then that means hundreds of thousands of people are seeing those tweets all the time. And in, in Brussels, it's, you know, it's a relatively niche yeah. market. These are pretty big numbers for, for a, a specialized premium niche market. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, some people would go like, oh, is that all? But we have to put it into perspective. This is the Brussels bubble. This is really about Europe. So it is already a niche. It is a, is a pretty much defined audience. So those are impressive numbers if you look at, at, at that niche and that environment, that specific environment. And it's also the environment that he's addressing. So, you know. Exactly. I, I think we can we can get sort of taken in by the buzz that gets generated by consumer electronics or or major brands or famous music personalities or whatever. But uh, th- th- these are these are exceptional 
people or exceptional brands, there's there's a lot of very interesting buzz where you're getting a few hundred mentions a day or a few thousand a week. Because with those numbers, you're able to start to look at demographics. You're start to able to see who's influential, who mm-hmm. can push conversations, who who doesn't like you. You know, there's 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 enough data there. Um, on, on the other hand, I mean, if you're getting say a couple of hundred mentions a year, well, I'm sure you and I both know there's not that much you can do with that data, you know, except maybe you might pick up the odd thing. But the amount of buzz that Politico is getting, um, and I pointed to that in in the article I wrote in in LinkedIn, uh, it's it's significant enough uh, to to show that they they are growing um, and that they are, you know, of course, properly a, a presence in Brussels. And I'm very interested to see how that holds up over the next six months. Yeah. Yeah. Because of course it's nice to have to make a big splash when you're starting out, but then you have to, you know, assume and, uh, that, that, you know, this needs to go on and, uh, it, it does take time. Now, when I look at this, uh, at the, the charts and of course I link to uh, your article in, um, in the show notes, but yeah, I mean, there's a nice uh, pickup of volume. Now, we've been talking about the reporters as such or the journalists as such. How how are the stories doing? Are they flying, as we say, in the business? Uh, well, some certainly are. Um, the, the the three that, that I could mention now would be, uh, the, the one that had the largest buzz was one of their journalists who was attacked in Bradford uh, while covering George uh, Galloway's campaign. He's the leader of the Respect Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that is like by far and away the, the story that had the, the largest amount of uh, reactions, uh, something like 3x over, over the next one. Um, at the time, I, I was also looking at uh, two other stories that were, were generating generating a lot of buzz, and that was uh, regarding the almost the loss of sanity of parts of the British press, mm-hmm. how they were covering the, the elections. And it's you know it, it, it's very interesting for me because you know the British press um, is that the, you know is pushing out stories um, in, uh, regarding the UK, and of course the UK is one of the most well established democracies with many competing institutions, and it's kind of kept this. <laughs> running hundreds of years but the press sometimes can seem to the outsiders as uh, you know insane I mean, the way they cover stories the way they the way they make a mockery of of elected officials this kind of stuff you know and um so 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 that story on the british press got a lot of uh, a lot of buzz and also a story re- regarding uh, Putin propaganda. I've noticed that in just, you know, by monitoring as well, that the story regarding uh, the the Finnish military, um, apparently there were some underwater shenanigans going on with, uh, you know, some depth chargers being sent through. uh, And I think it was like a, a, you know, a Russian EU story that got a lot of uh, online conversation as well. So, you can see that for sure uh, Politico are relying, uh, like I suppose a lot of media outlets, on uh, particularly hot stories that will really increase the buzz every seven to ten days. You know, so it's not, they're not getting great, you know, headline charging stories every day, but 
every seven to 10 days to get a, a, a whopper, yeah. which, which pushes the, the buzz back up and gets a lot of uh, retweets. So um, I care a lot about retweets as a metric because people have to take action, you know, action to do it. And, you know, you and I have been around Twitter a while. Mm. We tend not to retweet just anything. You know, you'll retweet stuff that... You've it, actually checked that you checked the link behind the thing. Well, well we, I, I'm going to admit I haven't always done that. But, <laughs> uh, it's just it's a, just a good metric because yeah. things like impressions feel not meaningless, but you know they're they're only vaguely interesting to me. But retweets call they're to do with action, and if you say get an article with over a hundred retweets or two hundred retweets, you know you're you're having a story with a bit of meat, and you're also increasing its chance to be seen by people who are relevant uh, to the story or, or to you as a business. And of course, Politico is clearly a, a business that's aiming at advertising money and they have some, you know, very clear ways of, of, of trying to, to make that money. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Uh, now, when we talk about numbers, I'm just checking your uh, LinkedIn uh, article, just the analysis. So we're talking about the The George Galloway story, 2,200 retweets, that's enormous. Um, at least, you know, in this context again. Yes. And then the British press losing it, that is 645 retweets. And the Putin story, 449 retweets. So we're in the volume of around, you know, the the, the 500 retweets on a, on a good day. And then the exceptional kind of stories going over 1,000, 2,000 retweets. But it is, as you say, when you see that there is a rhythm already, 7, 10 days, uh, that they would, you know, create or find or are lucky again uh, all these things uh, we don't know if it's getting lucky or finding or crafting a good story but uh, yeah. that brings in a good rhythm and uh, my idea is that at a certain point in time or already they would like to you know make it maybe every five days every four days and so get into a real hit rhythm as we say uh, for their articles yeah yes and um, one assumes they're analyzing Uh, content themselves, you know, the, the, the company's been around for six or seven years, I, I believe, in the US and uh, very well. So, so they'd be looking at the kind of thing that, that resonates well in, in, in Brussels. Um, I, I was looking at their, um, uh, when, when you analyze social media, you can look at topics um, and uh, the, the kind of topics that, that, that they have are, are, you know, are strange. I mean, one is obviously the, the, the connection to, to, to the Jewish link uh, with their, their reporter, in, in Bradford, then there's Greece, uh, there's George Galloway, obviously, then their playbook uh, gets a lot of, of conversations uh, and then Google. So they have these kind of different uh, um, interesting areas, you know, like Google being the, you know, the tech giant mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, uh, the European Commission kind of, you know, uh, uh, pushing up against them and then the more sort of political side to their story. So they, they will have a, an interesting balance uh, and, and the audience will, of course, be different for, uh, for, for some of their stories. So that, that's an extra complexity that they'll have because they'll, they'll have to find which of those is, is really resonating well. And of course, which of those stories is going to generate the most uh, in, in advertising and, and, and event kind of revenue, yeah? I mean, it's, it's a news medium, but it also have a, a big part in, in what is now called native advertising. They, I mean, it is a, a business that is running uh, pretty well, as far as I can see. Uh, and I would be amazed that 
they don't analyze every single story and and until they get really the details of how it flies why it doesn't fly and how it should be you know changed and adapted so that it does fly i mean uh, that's at least how it works today i i met a couple of people from news monkey which is a belgian online only medium and those people are data freaks they are all data miners they know exactly which title will go uh, you know over over the average uh, retweets etc before it's even published so i would assume that these guys here have at least the same insights or or will in the near future really be working like that as well yeah i think you're 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 right there philippe they'll, they'll be uh, they'll be very keen on that um they'll also be looking for things like um engagement with uh, lobby groups and uh, and major companies that are based in Brussels, you know, who who, who is positive to them and and, and uh, no doubt be reaching out to those people over time, you know, because uh, you know I see Politico have a uh, quite a large you know sales and event team as well, so they'll they'll be looking for that kind of insight to see who who who's most likely to be interested in talking with them. Have you done a bit of a comparison with, uh, you know, like comparing uh, the Politico uh, reporters' uh, social media footprint and others of other publications? Yeah, yes, uh, that's that's actually a good one. I um, I was uh, as I was saying, I, I've been monitoring other journalists uh, like Peter Spiegel, um, Matthew Dalton, um, who's Wall Street Journal, uh, James Cantar for, from New York Times, and. Uh, the, the way the way I look at it, when I was seeing um, the the buzz, it looks like Ryan Heath is quite similar in buzz levels to Peter Spiegel, who, from what I can see, is is one of the leading generators of online buzz. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then there's a there's a like a a separate uh, group below them who uh, who are who are generating some some interesting levels of conversation too. So that, um, like it's a uh, you know, similar in level with Jennifer Baker, who's who uh, is a reporter here in, in in Brussels. James Cantar as well, and and it's like this, you know, two divisions of online buzz. So so I think uh, Ryan's uh, Ryan Heath's job will be to kind of stay at similar levels to Peter Spiegel and and and, and try and kind of beat him if you like mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. show they're getting the, the momentum. And then the, so the other journalists will be in the second division uh, com- competing against uh, perhaps slightly lesser known uh, journalists in, yeah. in Brussels. Yeah. So uh, the, 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 these are obviously my, my own, my own views from seeing the data from this perspective. Um, some of, obviously these journalists will have stronger ties to very influential people that the, a social media monitoring system can't pick up, obviously. But uh, for, from a perspective of just general noise and buzz, it, it, it's it's interesting to see. Yeah? And when you say when you say uh, general noise and buzz, what what do you mean exactly? What do you take into account when doing these kind of uh, analysis? Um, when you when you set up uh, what you're basically doing is you're setting up a search query like you do for for Google. You know, when you type in a, a word into, into Google, it brings back results. So I set up uh, a query in the Brandwatch system that then will look for all references to uh, the Twitter handle of the the person in question, and also perhaps references to that person with key terms like. You know, journalist, European Union, lobbying, whatever, and it will bring back a collection of data every 
every time a new post is generated from publicly available social media sources. Mm -hmm. So mainly Twitter, but also blogs, discussion forums, and online news portals. Now, Facebook has gotten a little bit more restrictive in what you get back. But then again, the vast majority of Facebook stuff is in private social media anyway. So these systems won't access that. So uh, the good news is Twitter is a very rich source of this kind of of, uh, conversation. But there there are obviously very important blogs or discussion forums as well that will will generate some of that conversation too, yeah? So yeah, I think, but here we're looking at the media in Brussels. And when we say media, it's, you know, it's it's obvious that we, we focus on Twitter since it's such a news-driven social medium, right? It, exactly. And it's a very fast-moving cycle, uh, but it's very open and, and these very... Um, you know, you know, the way these quick conversations emerge around a topic, there can be these little Twitter spats and, and, and then it kind of dissipates. But you can you can see uh, by looking at, at that, you can get the levels of conversation and, and see okay, who, who or what story is getting the real buzz. Mm-hmm. And from that, that might lead you to ask different questions, you know, so uh, um, are, are people continuing to talk about this over uh, over a period of time? Uh, are people positive or are they negative to to the issue or to, for example, Politico? Because, for example, when when Ryan uh, wrote something relatively derogatory about Le Soir, Le Soir calling it the was it Europe's oldest student newspaper or something like that, uh, Le Soir reacted, you know, clearly hurt by the the accusation and, you know, uh, and giving the new boy a, a slap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, of course, creates a lot of conversation. A lot of people will be, uh, you know, on the Soir side and others won't be. Um, and then you, you get this kind of idea. Are our old media groups looking at Politico kind of hoping that the, the new upstart uh, has all this high buzz and then just disappears? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, you, feel, you can feel that sort of. That does, yeah that energy but so 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 from that uh you know twitter is is obviously a hugely important site but like monitoring news sites and and what others say about politicos is very valuable and there are some interesting blogs and and discussion forums where you you will have some conversations too and and those conversations can 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 happen over a longer period of time yeah but did you uh, did you do a bit of uh, sentiment uh, analysis on uh, about politico is that (laughs) Uh, the the sentiment analysis so far you know seems to be sort of uh, mostly positive to do with uh, the the launch and people being happy to see them yeah so it's that something is moving and something new is happening and yeah exactly so so it's quite easy to find uh, you know uh, positive sentiment about them in in that regard and uh, you can see you know, that's being uh, the echo chamber of, of Politico retweeting some of that very positive sure. yeah. feedback. Um, when, when it comes to the automatic sentiment, um, it's quite hard to break it out because, of course, Politico are talking about stories uh, that are could be seen as very negative. Yeah, So it's mm-hmm. nothing to do with Politico themselves, just, you know, disastrous diplomatic issue in Russia is yeah. not, it's not a negative about Politico. So, um, 
it, it's, it's actually been very hard to kind of separate that from the automatic sentiment point of view. But you can see that there are both positive and negative um, buzz around the, their arrival, Politico's arrival. Um, and the, the positive side is about, yes, as you said, the, 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 the new player in town generating this excitement and the negative side will be the, you know, too big for their boots, you know, uh, too, too opinionated on certain issues, you know, uh, advertising driven, this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, a first, is this a first part? Are you going to continue to look at these things so that you can maybe compare in the longer term or, uh. Absolutely. Um, I want to do at least uh, one more, but possibly three, um, looking at uh, the development of the journalists themselves, because um, I, I'm always very interested in, in spotting, you know, the young journalistic talent that, that, that that's emerging. So the ones who are getting, uh, building up a reputation pretty quickly. Because mm -hmm. people often with less than a thousand followers or say less than 2,000 followers, can actually have a very influential group of people around them. And it's a, it's a slightly strange one because I've seen this in um, a, by monitoring talented journalists. They don't necessarily have to have many thousands of followers, but over time they get, a, inverted commas, a reward for their writing, which will be a lot more followers. So I want to see from the Politico uh, journalistic group Which of those do I think are, are will I think are, are the hot journalists emerging to, to see which of those get the most um, reads or, or, or mentions based on a relatively small Twitter following, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that they're, have, they're, they're basically uh, they're, they're batting above average yeah, when they began. And from that, say, well, these are sort of my guesses as the people who will be, uh, you know, very interesting to watch in the next year. And then obviously looking at uh, sort of the next month of Politico's, uh, you know, as we come into summer as well, is there, is there a softening or a quietening in, in, in their buzz or, or are they in actual fact uh, keeping up, up that head of steam? And then finally do, do a piece of uh, uh, sentiment analysis, proper sentiment analysis that looks at uh, how they're per perceived when positive and how they're perceived when negative. You know, what, what are the key driving messages uh, for the negative and the positive. Yeah, and it will be interesting also to see because they, they have a big team. I mean, it's, I think, what, 32 journalists or at least people working on the editorial side. So it will be interesting to see how the new ones and the, uh, the, the, the ones who have been in the business for longer, how that will compare as well uh, and how they position themselves uh, as well, Absolutely. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder... Um, You know, when you're, if you're hiring salespeople in a company, there's a, there's a sort of old rule of thumb in, if you're selling software, that if you hire three, one will survive. Yeah. So yeah. one will be, one will be good enough to kind mm -hmm. of, you know, survive in the culture and, and, and get the sales. And, and I'm wondering, is Politico's hiring system a little bit similar? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they'll hire a big bunch, they'll see who sticks and then, the the amount will will shrink over time because you know to to generate sales to cover that large a team uh you know is pretty hard going yeah, you know it's a serious challenge definitely yeah it's serious yeah. but they you know they're they're owned by a very you know wealthy media group uh who who are who are committing serious money into into the business so they believe in it so so they'll have i would imagine a year of significant investment and then they'll 
they'll start you know cutting and shaving to 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 match the mm. what the market's willing to spend because um you know america and and, and brussels are you know america and europe i should say are, are very different beasts and and the way procurement works in uh in europe can be very slow compared to the us yeah so uh, yeah, yeah. They might, they might find that a, a challenge, but of course now I'm well away from social media monitoring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I think, I mean, that's, that's one of those things that you can look at. And, and I do think that, uh, I'm just looking at the page. I mean, some of them don't even do a good job in, uh, in, in personal branding, like, and even Ryan, he doesn't even have a picture on, on the website, <laughs> whereas his colleagues have. So, it, you know, uh, there is still some work to be done, but it's, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I saw that myself and I thought, uh, yeah, they could. Yeah. They could. <laughs> but th- what they'll say, and I suppose there's truth in it, that they're a startup. They'll feel like they're a startup and they'll be they'll be emphasizing resources on getting the stories and, 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 and running events, you know, so there'll be a few things like that, but they'll, yeah, they'll have to clean that, that stuff up in the next few weeks. I think <laughs> we'll, we'll tell them maybe they're listening. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just to, uh, maybe clo- close, uh, our, our very interesting conversation when you do online monitoring and you look at these profiles and we're, we're mainly talking here about, Checking out online influencers, right? These are all journalists, but you could do that for online influencers being bloggers, other people, uh, radio, TV, what have you. What are you really looking at? Uh, what are the, let's say, the the, um, the the topics that you look at to identify someone as an online influencer? The whole area of online influence creates a lot of debate, uh, meaning some people think, think it's a lot of nonsense. Yeah. But for example, what's my cloud score or what's my cred score? You know, cloud is a, a well-established mm-hmm. uh, score that, that you can see, um, how you compare it to others. Uh, what I look at are some very simple metrics, you know, on, you know, how, how many, how many followers does the person have is one sort of very obvious thing. And then see, from that follower group, when they, when they talk about you, are they getting a serious amount of action after that, like retweets or mentions? And then you can see two things. Yes, they have an audience and that audience will do something with the thing that they, they share. And that, that to me is it's, it's influence and action. And so that means what, what you're, what you're doing is you've got to look through maybe tens of thousands of individual Twitter hand, Twitter handles that, that mention Politico, then you can rank it by, uh, rank it by followers or the amount of times they mention the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the story or, or, or Politico as it is. And then, then you can actually see what's happening, but then you can also fine tune that and look at scores like in the case of Brandwatch, they use the CRED score, K-R-E-D. And you, you can just rank all of the people who've mentioned the story or, or, or the brand. And you can look at, say, who's mentioned this more than 10 times, has more than, say, 5,000 followers and has a CRED score over 700. And with that, with those scores you can actually ascertain who are 40 to 50 people who you'd want to actually, you know, dig down and, and, and understand more about. Yeah. So you're, so you're really combining different levels. I mean, it's, and as you said, 
quite correctly in the middle of, of our discussion, and I'm glad you mentioned it. It's not the amount of followers that you have. It's what are your followers doing with the information you're giving them? And maybe also what is the network of your followers? What is the second and the third layer? Like you said, a journalist could have 200 followers, 500 followers on Twitter, which is not enormous, but still be very, very influential in on his topic or her topic or in, in his or her niche and maybe be very influential to other people who themselves have done a huge network. So it is much more about the network, right? Absolutely. And, you know, at this point, we've we've poo pooed the idea of, uh, you know, this cascade or waterfall effect. You know, you, you hit the right domino and everything will mm-hmm. crash. But there's like there's like hundreds of little domino sets. So yeah. you, you have to try and find multiple dominoes to to, to kind of you know click on. And then that'll hit those little those little groups or those little pieces of audience. Yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, and and that is so true because I'm I'm experiencing that now right now with this podcast. It's been uh, what ten weeks, uh, ten episodes, and for one or the other reason, I'm still into the analysis. But uh, after week six, uh, suddenly uh, the downloads went up like crazy, and uh, it it is because sometimes you have people on the show who are maybe not a very very influential online, but who would then simply tweet something or just, you know, say, oh, I've been on the show, but then that network is multiplying the effect. So it's it's always looking at two or three, uh, three deep into the network, I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's a lot to be said for, um, you know, you, you and I can spot who's very influential in Brussels regarding a topic just by you know, going to events or, or, or looking at Twitter. But then there's this kind of other group of people who aren't so obvious, mm-hmm. uh, but they might be connected to the most influential person. Uh, and, and, and I mean, the whole world of lobbying has identified this years ago, but social media just shows it to you in numbers. You can see, see uh, why does this person only have a thousand followers, but they're so influential? Well, because they're just, they're new to the market or they're, it's, it's almost like, some people they have headroom. They have mm-hmm. there's, there's there's a lot more room for them to grow once they move a little bit to another company or they change their stories a bit or they you know they they might they might publish in a different platform and that's all they're missing. So so I see this on Twitter all the time. Some fantastic writers or journalists with two thousand followers, but when they write something, they get fifty responses. Yeah, yeah. where I have two thousand followers, when I write something, I get. 10 responses. Yeah. So it's clear that those people, they've got this massive headroom that they'll, they'll step into and finding those people early is, is it's just, it's a cheaper way to get your message across, you know, to be brutal, you know, if you yeah. can find those, those people who, who will, who will kind of be willing to give you time and, and, and then they'll know the right people. Um, so I can see that from, from Politico, uh, uh, something like 10 of the people who've, written about them recently have more than a hundred thousand followers but if you know i scroll down there's there's a bunch of people would say ten thousand followers who are writing about them frequently so i hope that they're the political know those people and they can you know make sure they're they're following them back and you know they're they're engaging with them because those people might be very influential for their future 
Okay, Simon, well, great discussion about uh, doing analysis on online influencers and on this uh, Politico uh, effect, I can say, because, again, it was, it was crazy to see how people in Brussels reacted uh, in different ways to, uh, to the, the, the fact that Politico came into town and, and is now in town. Simon, thanks very much for, uh, for your time. Um, I'm looking already forward to, uh, to the next analysis and the follow-up, so let's be in touch so that we can do this again and do a follow-up interview. Thank you, Philip. Thank you. So that was Simon and me talking about the impact of uh, political reporters uh, online. Great stuff. Um, it takes someone like Simon to do that. He, uh, he continues. So we'll definitely catch up with him again because he's still following and monitoring everything that happens online around the Brussels bubble and here focusing on, on these reporters. So I'll, I'm sure that in a couple of months, I'll just call him up again and uh, and we'll look at you know how these things are evolving because that is the interesting thing that you can do when you have these uh, serious online monitoring systems and you can analyze what is happening over weeks, months and uh, other periods of time, which is really an interesting um, interesting data to have and to look at. So uh, that's it for this week. Again, if you like this podcast and you want to Uh, give me a bit of a push in the back so that I continue to do this every week. Please leave a review on iTunes. It's quickly done. Just uh, look for Wag the Dog FM on iTunes. Find me and uh, give a review. An honest review, please. Uh, but those are important. And most of the time they are motivating because uh, I've seen a couple of those. And uh, and it's really great to know that uh, people are listening, first of all, uh, but also that you appreciate these uh, interviews that I do every week. Uh, and that uh, makes me move forward. So thank you again for listening. Have a great week. And until next time, do the right thing. Keep the peace.